I know a lot of you have had this experience because for those of us who in 2020 were all sent home and we were stuck in a lockdown during the pandemic, we had a lot of time on our hands and I saw an ad for Masterclass and I thought, I want to better myself. I want access to all of these brilliant people who teach you things. With Masterclass, you can learn from the best to become your best. Masterclass is the only streaming platform where you can learn and grow with more than 200 plus of the world's best and smartest. For just under 10 bucks a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to every instructor. And I don't care, you can wake up one morning and say, I want to learn about business. And then another where you say, I want to learn how to survive in the wild if I have no water and no fire to make me warm. You can access Masterclass on your phone, on your computer, smart TV, or even in audio mode. And the classes totally make a difference. Don't wait another moment to start your learning journey with Masterclass. Right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com slash Liz. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash Liz. Masterclass.com slash Liz. Okay, I'm so glad you guys are tuning back in because I have a really important question to ask you. Have you ever pitched an idea or blurted out a goal that you have and someone, your coworker, your parents, your boss, maybe even your inner voice says, um, yeah, that's never going to work. Has that ever happened? Well, let's try this one. A virtual unknown in the music and media industry blurts out, I think I can get Lady Gaga and Britney Spears to give concerts in India. Here's another one. I think I can take an actress only known in Bollywood films and make her a huge American star by getting her cast in a show about the FBI. Okay, that's another, um, yeah, I don't think so. But let me introduce you to the person who fought through a wall of that never will happen to come out successfully on the other side. Founder of A-Series Investment and Management Company, Anjula Acharya. Hi, Anjula. Great to have you. Great to have you. Great to be here. Hi, Liz. Oh, How God. the heck did you do that? That's what I want to know. My gosh, you must be gutsy as heck. So Brittany and Lady Gaga? Yeah, it's, you know, it's a crazy thing. Um, I think it has so much to do with who you surround yourself by, right? I'm sure you you think that too, just given your track record and what you've done. And I will say the impetus behind believing I could do anything was having the privilege of Jimmy Iovine, who's the founder of Interscope Records and Beats by Dre, um, enter my orbit. Uh, as an investor, as a mentor, as a friend. And and I always believed that sort of anything was possible, really, That's so much about my religious beliefs, that belie- believing that anything is possible. But having someone like him come into my orbit who has done the most insane things in the world, yeah. saying, what do you really want to do? And, okay, so do it. Like, you know, just being kind of like, yeah, here's the person. Meet this person. That person can help you. Here's the money. Like, having someone like that in your orbit just really kind of made things seem even more possible. Okay, but you, you got to back up here. How did you get in, even in front of Jimmy Iovine? I mean, he is a famous guy in the music industry for decades. Heck, I, I'd love to get in front of him. I mean, how did you, you got to back up because okay. you've got listeners who have dreams as well that people have said to them, that's never going to happen too. But you know, how did you 
begin your sort of path that brought you to the point where you could find your way and scratch your way through those doors? Yeah, such a great question. You know, I want to just start off by saying that, you know, I grew up in a very, very small town on the outskirts of London in England at a time where, you know, I mean, it actually feels very similar to the time that we've been in for the last four years under a, a, a Trump government, mm-hmm. which is, you know, people feel like it's okay to to tell you that you're different and that's wrong. You're an immigrant, you're a person of color, you're a woman, all these things. And I grew up in a time when that was totally acceptable as it kind of feels now, to be really honest with you. And I was very kind of lonesome. I, I grew up, you know, as this Indian girl in a completely white suburb, picked on, bullied, and told to go home pretty much every day. And I used to just sit in my bedroom and listen to, I mean, I'll just, I used to listen to Michael Jackson. I don't know if that's a good thing to say anymore, but I used to- <laughs> pre, pre what we found out because I used to listen to him all the time too. Just dream and visualize. And, you know, they say that um, daydreaming is a form of goal setting. And I know that when I was really young, I used to visualize who I was going to be. And I was always living in LA, by the way, being with famous people and doing what I was doing, what I'm doing now. I always really visualize that. So I think a lot of, you know, a lot of who I've become today is a manifestation of my visualizations. And I know that sounds so like kind of, you know, new age, but it's the truth and there's no getting away from it. Um, So fast forward to kind of me living in America. Um, I came here because of my ex-husband. He got transferred out out here with his job and he then also became my co-founder of Desi Hits, which is the company that took Lady Gaga to India and worked with Britney Spears and, you know, did a ton of content with, you know, a huge slew of major celebrities. Um, But we came to America. Talking about how you get to the point where you can scratch your way through the doors to big famous people who probably get a million pitches a day, whether it's Lady Gaga, Britney Spears, or Jimmy Iovine. But, you know, let's continue on that track and and take it to your love of music, but then really reaching high and saying, I could get Lady Gaga to do a concert in India. How did you make that happen? And how did you get through the gatekeepers? Oh my God, so crazy. so, so well, first off, just the story of Daisy Hits. So Daisy Hits, which was this content platform, which my vision for it and my co-founder's visions for it was that it was going to be this platform that brought East and West together in, in pop culture and music content. So, you know, we worked with some of the biggest stars in America and we we took them to India. Um, Gaga being the biggest one and and really the concert being the the kind of the impetus for a lot of other things that happened after that. But how that all happened was I raised money out of Silicon Valley. It was a funny thing. So basically um, my co-founder put this podcast together. It got a lot of traction. It was a podcast just of mashup of music. It was Indian music with hip hop and Bhangra music, which is North Indian folk music. And um, it was just a mashup of, of cool music from around the world, India to Bollywood to Hollywood, as I'd call it. And that went viral and just on its own, 
And um, I was working at the time in actually in recruitment. I was just working, finding sort of C-level candidates for, for startups. Oh. Talking to one of the VCs that I worked with, I was telling him about this podcast that got all this traction. And, you know, I'm a talker, right? So I was just like, yeah, like, you know, so we've got 250 million downloads. I can't believe it. Like, and he was just like looking at me and he goes, can you send me the iTunes report for that? And I was like, sure. Why do you want to see that? And he goes, oh, I'm just so curious. And I was like, yeah. Sure. So, you know, went home, sent him the iTunes report, didn't think anything of it, just thought he's a techie and wanted to see the data for whatever reason. I swear to God, I didn't think anything of it. Mm-hmm. And next day I received a term sheet from him to fund the business. Um, it was, how much will we raise? He offered me a million bucks, mm-hmm. 5% of the business. Wow. And I'm not lying. The only reason we even had a business was because my dad was convinced that the music the, the record labels want to take away my house because we we hadn't licensed everything properly. So my dad was like, you need to set up a business because otherwise they'll take your home and they'll take this and blah, blah, blah. And, you know. <laughs> Dads. I know. We hadn't figured, figured all the licensing out at that point, right? So I was like, that's a good idea. So I set up like an LLC to do that. And so then when this venture capitalist asked me for 25% of the business, I had a business to give him. Um, so you know, me and my co-founders were like, and we weren't even co-founders. We were just people messing around with this podcast. We were just like, <laughs> get the opportunity to do something like this. We should just do it. So we did it. So we took the million bucks from two great funds in Silicon Valley. And this is the thing, you know, I will say to you, like, you know, obviously I've invested in, I don't know, over 10 female businesses now. I mentor a lot of women. And, you know, one of the things I always say to them is do not concern yourself with things that do not matter to you. And do not concern yourself with the fact that it's really hard to raise money. Because if you have passion and energy and you have gusto and you have belief in yourself, like you become undeniable. And every woman I have um, mentored has raised millions and millions of dollars to the fact where, you know, Pyrogodakia on her last round, you know, was valued at a billion dollars and raised a ton of money. Like, and at the very beginning, she couldn't raise any money. I was her first investor because she couldn't raise any money. And I was just trying to get other people to invest in her. And one of the ways to do that was for me to say that I invested to give everybody else confidence to invest. Like, so I just feel like, you know, we hear these, this, this, and it's not that it's not true. Like, of course, like a very small percentage of women get venture funding, but we have to like not get lost in that thought process because then we become part of that pattern. You know, people say to me all the time, how did you get funded? And I say, you know, it really knocked on my door, but I have this thing where I go and I talk to everyone about everything and I'm always positive. And I always, you know, I'm able to sell my dreams. Um, I've had a lot of practice of thinking about my dreams. So therefore selling them is kind of easy to me. Well, but yes, you know, listen, everybody's suspicious now. Money is hard to come by when it, even on Sand Hill Road in Silicon Valley. And yet you had some substance there. You had the numbers behind the iTunes report. So don't undersell that part about it because I think it's important. You've got to have more than just flipperty gibbet. You know, you've got to have more substance behind it. My dad used to say, there's always room for one more if it's you. And you have to have the oomph there and make sure that you're offering the best that's out there. And somebody's going to see that and make room for one more. But that leads me to this. These startups that you invested in early, you were, I believe, the first investor in ClassPass, which has become a huge deal. Yeah. 
what was it about that? You know, you've got that Midas touch or that eye for these kinds of things. Muse is another one that you've invested in. What do you look for when you're looking for a company to bestow your investment in? So Liz, you've hit on such a great point because it goes back to the question that, and the thing that you just mentioned, which was, you said to me, yeah, but you just, you didn't have just flippity numbers. You had, you know, whatever, like, but these businesses that I invested in had pretty much nothing. They didn't have numbers. They didn't have track record. I just believed in the person. And I will tell you this, like Jimmy Iovine said this, the most amazing thing to me, and I will never forget it for my entire life. He said to me, when he gave me money, he invested in my, in my, my B round, Mm -hmm. Um, and he forced his way into my B round, by the way, like I closed the round. I didn't need more money. I just raised 5 million and he like pushed his way and he was like, no, I want to invest in you and blah, blah, blah. And I want to be, I want to be in partners with you in this company. And after about two weeks after we closed the investment, I was sitting with him and not to name drop, but Jay-Z and (laughs) and he said, you know, you're so great, blah, blah, blah. He was like, do you know, the company's going to fail, right? What? And I like looked at him and I was like, am, am I dreaming this right now? And he goes, yeah, you know, I've been in pop culture a long time, and Julie, you're just too early. You're just too early. He goes, but you're a visionary, but you're just too early and you're going to run out of money and you're going to run out of steam. And I go, but Jimmy, then well, why would you invest in me? And he, he looked at me and he said, because I don't invest in singles, I invest in albums. And you're an album to me. And he goes, if Eminem, you know, Gwen Stefani or whoever comes into the office with a track and I don't like it, he was like, they go back to the student, they create another single. He was like, I don't throw them out the building. And he was like, you're no different to me. He was like, your talent, you're going to come up with an album. And this is just your first single. And it's okay if it fails. So he invested in you versus your company. You then have found somebody who you decided to invest in where you had this grand idea. I'm going to make an actress who's famous in India for these Bollywood movies, which, by the way, if you don't know, they're like musicals with South Asian music and everybody dancing around. But to have that crossover had not happened before. And you found somebody and you said, I'm going to make her a star in America, Priyanka Chopra. Tell me how that came about. It's the craziest story. So before I was even in entertainment, period, I was, I didn't even watch Bollywood movies. Um, I was in venture. I was basically, I was doing recruitment in venture capital and I would go, I was living in America but I would go home to my parents' house in England and I'd go and stay with them and they watch a lot of Bollywood movies. And I remember walking into the lounge and Priyanka Chopra was on TV dancing to this like hip hop spoof. And I turned to my mom and I go, who is that woman? And my mom goes, that's Priyanka Chopra. And, you know, I'd like... I, like I said, I didn't even watch Bollywood movies, but you know, when I go home, my parents would be watching them and I'd always look at them and be like, yeah, it's not for me. And um, I was just, I don't know, entranced with her. Like I was watching her and I thought she was so cool. And I just said to my mom, more as a mental note to me, I was like, oh, if anyone could cross over, it'd be her. I was not in the business. I was working in recruitment and venture capital. I had nothing to do with this business, period. And I just made this mental note. And I forgot about it. And then my mom, she goes, I know you don't like Bollywood movies, but Priyanka's in this movie called Fashion. You should watch it. I think you'll like it. 
So I was like, ah. I had nothing to do. It's a Sunday night. I watched it. And I was like, oh, she's really something. Forgot about it. Years later, I'm now sitting in Jimmy Iovine's office and we had just done the collaboration between Pussycat Dolls and A.R. Rahman and it was top 10 in 10 countries. Right. And Jai, Jai Ho. Yep. And Jimmy said, wow, that was a real success. And I was like, yeah, brilliant. And, you know, he's one of these people that he's a ball of energy, right? Like he's like, when he sees success in something, he's like, he's like, what's next? What's next? And he goes, what do you really, really want to do, Ange? And um, I said, you know, Jimmy, my dream has always been to change pop culture in America and to have people that look like me in pop culture. And the reason why that's so important to me is because going back to my childhood, I was really bullied for being Indian and being brown and being smelly and being a packy and sneaking of curry and all these things that I was told. And, you know, I mean, I was literally like being up for it. And I remember, you know, there were four channels back in the day. I'm showing my age now. There were four channels that all the kids at school used to watch. So it's like you basically everyone was watching the same thing. And anytime there was a South Asian on TV, we were just so grossly misinterpreted. You know, it was a stereotype. It made us look like we were backwards from like some stupid country that, you know, it was just, it made us look horrible. And then the next day at school, I braced myself because I would know I would get bullied harder for it. And I did. Um, and I remember once there was this, this TV show called Grange Hill that all the kids used to watch. And they, they find they one day had this Indian character on it. And we're like, oh my God, there's an Indian on Grange Hill. Who would have thought? But the storyline for her was that her parents were really strict and her parents wanted to know if she was a virgin because she talked to some boy. So they dragged her to the GP's office, general practitioner, the doctor, to check whether she was a virgin. The next day, kids were poking me, like literally physically poking me, going, are you a virgin? Are you, do your mom and dad check whether you're a virgin? Like all this stuff. And I was like, probably like, 11 12 years old you know and mm. i just remember at the, such a young age thinking wow you like pop culture i didn't know it as pop culture then but tv has a lot to answer for like tv dictates the way people treat me whether i get bullied at school or not get bullied at school whether i want to go to school one day or i don't because i don't know what people are going to say to me based on what they saw on tv the night before so I was actually really grateful that we were never on TV, but when we were on TV, it was like, you know, like I said, a gross mis misrepresentation and a stereotype that was harmful to me. So I kind of explained this to Jimmy and I was just like, I really want to, you know, uh, I want to change pop culture. And he was like, well, is there someone or something you want to do? And she just came to my mind and I said, yeah, there's this woman, Priyanka Chopra. She's like the number one actress in, in India. And I think she could, I think she could be the person. And next thing we're like Googling all these videos of, of Priyanka and Jimmy was like, that's easy. <laughs> so next thing I know, he sent me on a plane to go and see her. So I went to see her in India and convinced her. Well, actually, you know, I had a phone call with her first where she was very quiet and didn't say much. But you have to understand, she's like Beyonce in India, right? So it was like, oh, I'm yeah. Beyonce in India. And I'm like, oh God, like, and I remember Jimmy texting me afterwards going, how did it go? I said, I think it went terrible. She didn't say much. I talked a lot. I probably spoke way too much. But then, you know, I got a call saying, yeah, you know, I'd love to have a meeting with you, but I can't come to America. I'm like back to back with these movies and I can't. And I was like, okay, well, I'll come to you then. And Jimmy sent a couple of people from Universal with me to go and convince her to come back and work with us. Okay, so this was a while ago because Jimmy at Universal was, what year we're we talking about? Wow, this was like 2009 or 10. We're not done yet. We'll be back in a moment. 
I know a lot of you have had this experience because for those of us who in 2020 were all sent home and we were stuck in a lockdown during the pandemic, we had a lot of time on our hands and I saw an ad for Masterclass and I thought, I want to better myself. I want access to all of these brilliant people who teach you things. With Masterclass, you can learn from the best to become your best. Masterclass is the only streaming platform where you can learn and grow with more than 200 plus of the world's best and smartest. For just under 10 bucks a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to every instructor. And I don't care, you can wake up one morning and say, I want to learn about business. And then another where you say, I want to learn how to survive in the wild if I have no water and no fire to make me warm. You can access Masterclass on your phone, on your computer, smart TV, or even in audio mode. And the classes totally make a difference. Don't wait another moment to start your learning journey with Masterclass. Right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com slash Liz. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash Liz. Masterclass.com slash Liz. So Priyanka Chopra takes this meeting with you. And let me fast forward. You managed to get her cast in an American series about the FBI. I remember the pilot. And I remember thinking, who's that? This, of course, was the show Quantico. Yeah. How did that happen? Oh, my God. It's such a crazy story. Um, All these stories are such a crazy story. I love this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what happened was again this is I, I i don't want to make this podcast all about jimmy but the, he was the impetus for this yet again so we were trying to launch her in the music category we'd done a couple of tracks they hadn't really worked and um and i walked into jimmy's office and i said jimmy he always said to me you have to anticipate pop culture and i was like well what does that mean exactly he said well pop culture is what's everybody talking about so when you go to the water fountain at your office or the coffee machine or dinner parties what's everybody talking about and it's so funny because this has also informed the way i invest too but i remember everybody was just talking about tv everybody was talking about kerry washington and scandal and viola davis and and sandra oh and grace anatomy and sophia vergara and I was just like, ha, ah, what's what's popping in the zeitgeist right now is strong, diverse female characters in these dramas. Mm. And so I walked into Jimmy's office and I said, I think I got it. And he goes, what? I go, I don't think we should do another track. I think she's an actress and I think we should take her where she, she shines. And she's a strong female character and, uh, sorry, actress. And I, and I feel like she should be the lead of a show. Like who's the person that's done all of these shows? And it was ABC at the time. And it's such a, I got got to stop saying it's such a crazy story. But the next next thing I know, me, Jimmy and Priyanka are at a dinner at Ron Meyer's house. And sitting next to me is Kelly Lee, who casted every single one of those people in in an ABC drama. And me and Priyanka were chatting with Kelly. We loved her. She was like so amazing. And I remember saying to her, I was like, Kelly, you've done, you're amazing. You've represented like, you know, Asians, you've represented, you know, African-Americans, you're Latinos, like you've done it all, but you've not done a South Asian and we're one fifth of the world's population. I was like, so you need to get on that. And she laughed about it. But then eventually we ended up doing a deal with her and ABC and it was really her. She was the driving force behind that whole deal. And it really came out of that, that dinner party. And she even went out and flew out to see Priyanka in India to convince her to do a deal with ABC 
um, and she was as relentless as I was. It sounds like your aura of positivity is really overpowering in a positive way. I have to tell you, um, I'm, I'm feeling this and I'm thinking, who wouldn't want to work with you? Because you have a confidence about you, but you're also upbeat versus pointing the finger and saying, you haven't used this minority type in your shows and you need to get on board. It sounds like you turn things on their side and make them you look at things through a different prism, Anja. And so I love this. And I, I wonder what you would say to people who get a lot of no's, because it is easy to get downtrodden and it is easy to start really losing faith in yourself. And then you can't summon that aura of sparkle and excitement and positivity. What is your trick for dealing with the no's and the slam doors shut in your face? Well, just to take it a step back for a minute, I think the first thing is, is whenever I'm speaking to someone, I understand their motivation over my own. So I take myself out of the equation. What do they want to achieve? So with Kelly, she had built this track record of, you know, all these diverse women. Maybe she just hadn't thought about the South Asian diverse woman. You know what I mean? Like, and maybe I just you know, because she was on this journey of building her track record doing that. So I knew that she was going to be open to it. Jimmy is a total disruptor. Like Jimmy wants to do things that nobody else has done before. So I came along with this company that was straddling East and West and that was, you know, doing really disruptive stuff. He's a disruptor. So I think for me, like it's really understanding the motivation of the person that I'm speaking to. Mm-hmm. And go back to your question of how do I deal with the, the doors, the slam shut. You know, I have this pastor who um, whose church I go to regularly and he said something so amazing to me once it changed my whole perspective on everything. And I really believe in God and, you know, I, I walk in faith. And uh, he turned around to me and he said, not to me, but to the congregation, if you really believe in God, you will believe that whatever door closes for you, God has another one that's going to open open for you. And I've had many doors close on me. Many, many, many. I've dealt with a lot of rejection. I mean, my whole childhood was rejection, like at every level. And I just, you know, I walk in faith and I just believe that every door that closes is just taking me closer to the one that's going to open. And I have to be ready when that door opens so that I can take advantage of that opportunity. And maybe I'm not ready yet. Maybe my mindset's not ready yet. Maybe my you know, whatever. Like I, I, I know that God has to make me ready for that, that door and he's just getting me ready for it. Well, there it was. You were sitting at dinner and a door opened to Kelly, the casting agent, and you were ready to jump on it. And that's what I say to people. Oh, she, you know, there was, oh, she got lucky. No, 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 no. The luck was just the spark plug. You have to have the engine ready to go once that spark plug ignites the action. And it really feels like you are on the tips of your toes at every possible moment ready for that. You bring up faith. May I ask your religion? Um, I'm Christian. And what is it specifically that has helped you as a Christian? You know, I'm, I'm really feeling this. I'm Jewish, but I'm really listening to the way you describe this. And it is a very sort of attractive window through which you look. You know, it's funny. I was born in a very mixed faith home. So my mother's Sikh, my father's uh, Hindu, but we went to church growing up. I hated church growing up because I thought it was really racist and they said they they were no brown angels. So I always wanted to be an angel. So didn't like that church and really was, you know, in defiance of religion for a long time. And it was only when I moved to L.A., 
10 years ago that I started going to One Church LA, which is Pastor Ture's church. And I, I was at the worst point of my life. Um, I was going through a divorce. Uh, I was shutting down my business. And um, I was just really lost. And you have to understand, I came to this country and I knew no one, like no one. I didn't even know my neighbor. Like I've, you know, and it's so funny when you talk about luck, you know, people say this to me all the time, but you're so lucky. Like, you know, everyone. I'm like, oh, excuse me, I came as an immigrant and I knew not a soul, like not one person. <laughs> I knew my ex-husband. That was it. Like, <laughs> I didn't have a dog at that. You know, I knew the guy that like, you know, mowed the lawn, like that was about it. So there's no, I mean, do I believe in luck? Yes, I do. Well, I believe in blessings, but um, I don't believe in luck per se. I think you create your own, you know, you create your own blessings, you open the door to blessings. But anyway, so I was going back to my, yeah, so so growing up, like I was from a mixed faith, faith home and then I started going to Pastore's church, which by the way, I only went to because I had nothing to do one Sunday and a friend of mine who the one friend I did know from New York convinced me to go and I was just like yeah why would I want to go to church she was like trust me you're gonna love my church and I was like no I'm not going to but I literally had nothing to do so I was like I was occasionally going around to Jimmy's for Italian food but like I was like I really need to expand my network so I went to this church and it was just life-changing for me I mean I always say to Pastor Ture he's more of not that he's not a Christian or whatever, and he's not a pastor, but he's just, he, you know, I love people in my life that make me challenge the lens I see life through mm. and challenge every Sunday when I listen to a sermon, it challenges me on what lens I'm going to look at life through. So how you look at rejection, how you look at, like he always says, like, um, uh, a setback is always getting you ready for a step up or something like that. It's just like all these like positive mantras that, through the day, I just kind of like, and don't get me wrong, I get really depressed. I get down. I'm like everybody else. Like I have my moments. I, I feel super like sad sometimes, like when things don't go my way, but I can always work my way out of it. I think that's, that's a trick. I can always work my way out of it. And I work my way out of it through faith. Brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, what's next for you? Oh, that's a good question. I wasn't, wasn't expecting that one. <laughs> um, I should have, you know, what's next for me? I don't, I don't know. People always ask that for me. What's next for you? And I'm like, I'm just trying to get through the day. But it is really important to, as you talked about in the beginning, visualize, visualize things and daydream. And, I, you know, my daydreams, you know, I, somehow yours came true. But I was daydreaming back when I was a kid that I was going to marry Richard Gere, the actor. That did not happen. Um, thank God, because the door opened to my wonderful husband, Jeff. But uh, <laughs> Not that I had a shot with Richard Gere, but, you know, maybe this is a better way of phrasing it. What's the next challenge you see for yourself and in what form? Um, you know, I, oh my God, you're so good because you really stumped me. I mean, look, you know, to be honest, I have a lot of personal goals. I would love a family. Uh, you know, I, I, I would love to get married. Um, I have a lot of like personal goals. I'd love to meet someone. Um, so I think a lot of my goals right now are very personal, mm -hmm. but in terms of like business, like I just want to keep being a platform for women to live their dreams. And I know that sounds so like, oh yeah, whatever, but it's really true. Like I've built my life and my career on supporting women find their dreams and, and I love doing it. And I kind of realized that 
you know, in the last few years that my life is, is about service and my life is about helping other people accomplish what they want to accomplish. And I'm very fine with that. Like, you know, I, I love it. And I'm here today talking to you because of that, whether it's an entrepreneur like Pyle or the Muse or any of the women that I've backed or whether it's a celebrity like Priyanka. Um, I love I'm a seed person. Like I love seeing a seed and I love to watch it grow. So I just, I think what's next really is just to continue to do that and to continue to challenge myself to do that and just keep working with, you know, more and more amazing women. And it's really about women for me. We will be watching with great, great anticipation for the next big thing to come from you. Angela Acharya, great to have you on Everyone Talks to Liz. What an honor. I'm thrilled to meet you. Oh my God, what an honor for me to talk to Liz. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, uh, you you really are such an inspiration. And, and I know that my listeners are so hopefully moved by at least some of the things that you said. And I'm, I'm grateful. Thank you for coming on. And I hope everybody reaches for their dreams. You know, you guys have to visualize just like she did. And yes, daydream, but never dream harder than you will work for that dream. You like that? Okay, I'm going with that. Uh, have a great day, everybody. And you guys can always see me. Forget the podcast for the moment. You can actually see me Monday through Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Fox Business Network for the Claim and Countdown. Have a great day. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com.